is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 493, recorded on Monday, August the 10th, 2020. Back to Mondays. Well, we're back to this Monday. I remember when we used to record on Monday nights. Those were good times. Uh, We did. We recorded on Monday nights for years. Uh, And then we moved to Tuesdays and Thursdays and sometimes other days. But uh, it's been a while. Yeah, we're all over the map. Yeah, but yeah, it's good. Been a while since we've done a Monday, so here we are. Uh, the reason for doing Monday is just because the last five or six days have been uh, a little all over the map, and there was a certain string of events that were broadcast on TV uh, last Thursday and Friday and Sunday, and we didn't want to record on a Saturday, so we had to work around that, and here we are on Monday. Right. Are these events you're referring to involve uh, ice? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And a little black vulcanized rubber thingy that scoots down this ice? That too, yes. All right. (laughs) That sounds... uh, Okay, well... It's it's the kind of thing I'm into. Uh, And on one hand, just enormously elated and excited about, and then on the other hand, enormously horrified and disappointed in too so it's it's been a it's been a roller coaster of emotion over the last four or five days uh i've experienced the the highs of incredible unlikely victory and the lows of crushing defeat all in the span of two days well these are lessons that you have to learn in life and uh we've been disconnected from the future for quite some time Mm -hmm. and now we're back to relearning lessons that we needed to learn well, the Toronto Maple Leafs force those lessons on me more than than really are the fan base deserves, I would say. Uh, and that's what it's been all about the last little while. You know, to play one game, they're in this five-game series with the Columbus Blue Jackets. I should say were, because it's over now. What? And Is that a real team? Yes, the Columbus Blue Jackets, yes. They're, they're they must be new. Are they new? They're not that new. I mean, they're they're new-ish, but they're they've been around for a while. All right, never heard of them. No, I wouldn't expect you to have heard of them. But uh, we're in this five-game series with them, and this is you know the weird summertime return of the NHL. Players are all sequestered in bubbles in Toronto and in Edmonton, and they're they're doing this sort of tournament playoff series. And the first round for some of the teams was to qualify for the actual playoffs. And so the Leafs were in this qualifying series against the Columbus Blue Jackets, the winner of which goes on to the actual first round of the playoffs. And the Leaf, the Toronto Columbus series, I think was the only of the qualifying rounds to go the full five games. It's a best of five, so you got to win three. And, you know, in, in game four... The Maple Leafs are down 3 nothing with four minutes left in the third period. They score three goals in just over three minutes and win it in overtime. It was one of the most incredible hockey-watching experiences I've had in my life. It was incredible. It huh. gave the Maple Leafs an opportunity to change their identity as a team. You know, they've been known for a while as a team that can't win in the postseason, that, that choke, that have trouble 
getting it together and doing what it takes to win a very important game. And then they do that and we're all like, oh my God, maybe these guys have what it takes after all. And then two nights later, they play game five, the winner of which goes on, wins the series. There is no more games after this. And they come out and they lose three to nothing uh, and have to go home and blow this opportunity to show us all what they're made of. So it was really, uh, really disappointing. Well, first of all, I didn't hear much of that because I was falling asleep. But most <laughs> of the time, <laughs> and I was thinking about why the Blue Jackets are called the Blue Jackets. That's got to be the name of a bird, right? I don't know. I, I'd have to Does, check it. Because I'm sure they don't wear jackets on the ice. No, they don't. At least are their jerseys blue? Uh, yeah, they have nice jerseys. I like them. They have a, their logo is a cannon, which is cool. And in their home arena, they fire off the cannon when they score. Well, see, that's a good name. Yeah, the, I think so too. Was it Columbus, he said? Columbus Cannons? That's good. <laughs> the Columbus Cannons. Well, that's not the name. <laughs> anyway, so uh, that's all. That's mostly what I was thinking of. But uh, when you say they, they blew the opportunity to show us what they're made of, I have to disagree. I'm pretty sure that they showed you what they're made of. Uh, sorry. They, they blew an opportunity to change the perception of the team. Ah, there you go. Right? And what they did is... Well, for now, at least show us what they're, what they truly are. And that is a team that is not good enough and has some serious, serious problems, especially considering they have the most expensive offense in the league. They have $40 million tied up in four players. Uh, and then everything else is the rest of the team and they couldn't get it done. And I think the, uh, I think the experiment in the NHL of talent will alone will win a championship is over. And I think it's a failed experiment. You need a little bit of toughness, a little bit of grit in addition to your talent. And you just need the, the winning attitude, the heart that it takes to, yeah. to pull it off. And these guys, maybe they'll learn how to do that, but right now they don't have it. Yeah. Well, you know what they say that when under pressure, like you really meet, you know, you really find out the medal of a man or the medal of a person when they're under pressure. Because under pressure, people either focus or they crack. Mm -hmm. And I've known for a long time that uh, under pressure, I tend to focus because, uh, you know, deadlines. Yep. And, you know, yep. when deadlines are looming, you, you know, you get, you know, you got to do what you got to do to get shit done. But, you know, some people crack. You, but you'd think that a professional hockey player and a professional hockey team made up of these professional hockey players would be the kind of people that focus and become better under pressure. But it yeah. seems that the Leafs do not perform this way when the chips are down. You, you're, you're right. And it could be that because many of them are still quite young, uh, the captain of the team is a guy named John Tavares. He's not young. He's been around for a while. And his play throughout the series was pretty good. I do not pin this failure on him. Uh, he did not have a great first game, but he got it together in games two through five. The rest of the team are 25 years old or younger for the, for the most part. And I just, you know, I don't think they've learned that yet. I don't yeah. think they have realized that they, they, they can't screw around <laughs> if they want yeah. to win, if they want to beat other professionals, they have to be better than them. And they have to, uh, like you said, get, get it together and focus and, and not, and just take it, take it seriously. And I'm not even yeah. trying to say that they don't take it seriously, but they, they haven't learned how to win yet. 
And I hope they can do that. God, for my sake, I hope they can do that. It's all about me, after all. <laughs> I may be cynical, but when I, when I hear that the, uh, that the Maple Leafs are made up primarily of 25-year-olds, my brain is going, did they forget their sticks? Because that's what a 25-year-old would be, in my mind. A typical 25-year-old <laughs> would show up to their job and forget their goddamn helmet. Or forget their hard hat or, damn it, I forgot to buy shoelaces and my shoelaces are broken again. Uh, you know, did they forget their sticks? They all had sticks, right? They all had sticks. They okay, all had all That's because that's somebody else's job to take care of that for it them, is. right? They don't, have to show up, they don't have to show up at the rink with anything. They just show up listening to music and uh, thinking about their next round of Fortnite later that evening. So. Oh, okay. Well, you know then they can be 25 year olds because they still got their mommies helping them out and helping them remember their sticks and pack their lunch for them. Yeah. Some of those. I, I am cynical, cynical, and I feel bad for saying things like that. These are professionals. They're highly paid professionals. Uh, they're very talented, no doubt, but, uh, just as a collective, uh, it just, it, they, I guess it sounds to me like they just fell apart. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, we could, I could talk about this for a long time and me we, too. I don't even know. I didn't even know what one of the teams existed before this very discussion <laughs> I and I still could talk about this all night. <laughs> I know. Well, I, we should move on to other things, but, uh, I don't know. It's, it's disappointing. The only, you know, I love watching hockey. I love watching the Maple Leafs. They are my lifelong team. And I guess the only thing I can say here that makes me, uh, feel a little bit better is that there's always next year, but I've been thinking that and saying that for a long time. Yep. And next year, as it stands right now, may start as early as December. So, uh. Oh yeah. Well, next year is right, right around the corner. It's right around the corner. Exactly. Um. Yeah. The least to me, uh, f to you seem like they're a very important part of your old life. And I, I can actually imagine you rage quitting your mom before you rage quit the Leafs. <laughs> well, they are a very <laughs> important part of my life. I've been watching them for 45 years. Yeah. And they have not won a championship in that 45 years because it's been 53 or whatever now. So, okay. well, you've known your mom longer and how many championships has she won? <laughs> None either. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> well, hockey. Yeah. I'm sure she's won Thanksgiving championships. You know, the, she's the champion of Thanksgiving for this family for this year. I'm sure she's won that many times yeah. and she has, you know, a plethora of trophy, trophies and uh, I'm sure a green jersey like they give out in golf. That's one of those tournaments. The green jacket is golf. That's green right. jacket. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. No, she's your mom. She's one plenty I can of those see things. You, I can see you rage quitting your mom before rage quitting the Leafs. Well, that's how important it is to me. <laughs> and and I would fault you for that. And I probably stop talking to you if you, if you rage quit your mom. All right. But, uh, not, the, yeah. Anyway, don't rage quit the Leafs, but don't rage quit your mom more. No, I won't. I'll try not to. All right. Anyways, that's it. Uh, I had a, I had, um, at least you know, one listener email about, email me directly about the, the hockey tournament that's happening right now. And, you know, friend and friend of the show, Alex in Seattle was texting me, uh, during the, 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 the massive comeback, unlikely comeback game in game, uh, four saying he can't believe what he's watching. So it was, it was fun to interact with those guys about that. And, and I do appreciate them sending in those messages. It was fun. I wish I cared about anything like you cared about hockey. <laughs> Your mom, presumably. Well, yeah, my mom, my family, that kind of stuff. But uh -huh. like just something hobbyish. I guess Lego. I care about Lego. I don't think I'd rage quit my Lego. No. 
Lego is important to you, but so. it doesn't disappoint me either. Like the Leafs disappoint you, so it's not. There's no up and down. It's it's Lego's awesome, and it just kind of stays there. Like the needle has is is like pegged all the way to the other side. There's no <laughs> wavering in that needle whatsoever. Well, sadly, I do not have that same experience. But you know, someday, someday they will win, and I just want it to happen before I die. Okay. Well, good luck. Thanks. All right. So we're actually here on the podcast to talk about two episodes of the Twilight Zone, two very different episodes of the Twilight Zone season two on CBS. And we will get to that in a moment. I just want to really briefly report on one item of Walking Dead news. I'm not even going to play the bumper because it's such a minor thing, but uh, I do want to mention it before we move on. And that is that the CEO of AMC, a guy by the name of Josh Sapin, or Sapan, I must admit, I don't know how to pronounce it. He confirmed on a earnings call for AMC recently that The Walking Dead Season 11 will start to shoot in October. So okay. we know that the Season 10 finale is airing in early October. We know that the other two shows are also starting in October. We also know that they have told us there will be six additional sort of bonus episodes coming in early 2021, which technically are part of season 10, they've said. I like to think of it as season 10.5. But he said that season 11 will start shooting in October. So I don't really know what this means. Does that mean that he's actually talking about the bonus episodes for 10.5 or really true season 11 episodes? Are they going to shoot the bonus episodes first and then do season 11? Are they somehow doing it concurrently? You know, what does all this mean? I don't know, but... Well, if they're releasing 10.5 in early 2021, shooting start shoot, starting to shoot those in October is dumb, right? Because that, that seems a little tight. October, well, November, December, and then all of a sudden you got to release some shit? Well, we're not talking January here. By early 2021, I assume the earliest they mean is March, and we're probably more like April, May. Yeah. So I don't know what the turnaround on a TV show is, but... Damn it, that still seems tight. It does. It does seem really tight. So I, I really don't know what he's referring to here or or how they're doing this. And it started me thinking about maybe these bonus six episodes are going to be w way less tied to actual season 10 than we think. Like maybe these are going to be really sort of separate standalone episodes. I mean, I could imagine them doing something like we do an episode that's sort of a flashback to some of the stuff Dante was doing in Alexandria when he was there as a spy, like filling in some gaps from previous uh, storylines. Now, the reason I think that is because one, they could probably use a little bit of the footage that they've already shot and potentially cut out of episodes, which would make this a little bit easier. And also it would be a way to provide bonus content without actually sort of moving the story along into the future, you know, specifically, right? They kind of take a look back and who knows how far they go back. If they're really ambitious, they bring Steven Yun back and they do an episode about Glenn early in the apocalypse. That would be fun to watch, I think. Maybe a little more logistically difficult to pull off, but if these aren't going to be episodes that involve current living characters on the show, maybe that means they can film them at the same time, for example. 
Yeah. Or it could be like instead of a flashback or a flash forward, we have a flash sideways in an alternate reality where Steven Yoon is at home trying to ride out the uh, the 2020 global pandemic yeah. uh, in his apartment. Right. Uh, and they sent right. him a camera and he filmed the whole thing and that's going to be the episode. I suppose that could be it, but uh, I'd be surprised. Uh, so cynical. I really got to get off this. Yeah. It should be positive. I think it's going to be great. These episodes are going to be fantastic. I'm not sure what they have in, in store for us, but uh, that not, not knowing makes me excited. And uh, my new word of the day, which is also my son's new word of the day, is enthusiastic. Ooh. He's learned to use enthusiastic many times in many different ways, and he knows what it means. I'm so excited. But I'm I'm enthusiastic about these uh, new episodes that are going to be coming out in early 2021. Your son is so smart. When I met him recently, he was, he, his ability to speak and use language for what, a three-year-old? Yeah. Was. He's turning four in a couple of weeks. Right. So he was three at the, well, he still yeah. is three, but he's almost four. It was remarkable. And uh, it's, it's amazing the job you've done with teaching him to speak. <laughs> uh, it's all, it's mostly him. And, uh, like he's done a really good job of uh, teaching himself to speak yeah. and he's, uh, uh, he definitely has opinions and he can articulate them and uh, he's pretty good at talking us into a corner where we don't have a choice but to uh, either agree with him or flat out disagree with him. Like, you know, you can redirect kids sure. when, they, when you want, don't want them to do something or you do want them to do something. That doesn't work on him because uh, uh, he has a flat out conversation with you and talks around it and tries to figure out what you're saying and manipulate it so that he can get his way. Or you have to flat out say, no, we're not doing that. And then he freaks out because he's three. Well, watch out for that kid because he seems pretty smart. But um, anyways, with these episodes, I, I bring this all up because my assumption two weeks ago or before the CEO of AMC said this was that we they wouldn't start shooting season 11 probably until next spring to be honest, where they would just move season 11 by a full year, shoot yeah. it in the spring, in the summer, give us a trailer next summer at Comic-Con and premiere it next October. I figured that would just be the case. You know, the pandemic kind of screwed up 2020. So we're just going to move this season a full year and we're going to do these 10 or six bonus episodes in the meantime. So, you know, maybe those are what they start shooting this fall and get them out next spring. But I don't know. Josh Sappen said that season 11 is starting to shoot in October. Maybe he isn't quite up to speed and he thinks that the bonus episodes are part of season 11. I don't know. You think you know what he's talking about though. Yeah. Maybe he's confused. Maybe he woke up and gave that interview like before he had coffee or something. He's like, yeah, I was going to shoot at season 11 in October. <laughs> and then be. once, you know, an hour later it's like, shit, I should have said season 10. Cause yeah. Damn it, that's out there now. I'm just going to have to let it go right. and live with it. Because these two morons on the internet are going to pick up on that and talk about it, and uh, so will everybody else. It's going to become a whole thing, and yeah, yeah he's just going to be kicking himself. All right. Well, that's that. We'll see what happens. Uh, either way, we know that we're getting new Walking Dead in October, and then more early next year. Uh, all right. So we're going to move on to our coverage of the two episodes of The Twilight Zone. But first, I want to read this email from Zcam in the Boston area. I, I suppose that's, uh, that's his or her name. Um, but they write, I noticed that you recently started discussing The Twilight Zone, starting from episode one of season two. Did you discuss season one at all? I just started watching the show from season one, episode one, and wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything from you two about it. Also, 
Am I correct to assume that the Twilight Zone episodes can be watched in any order? If so, I'll probably watch along in sync with the episodes that you discuss and go back and fill in old episodes whenever I can. So, to answer your question, no, we did not cover season one of The Twilight Zone. Uh, when it was out, there was no, well, there was lots of Walking Dead to talk about, so we didn't. Yep. Um, so you're not missing anything there. And number two, can you watch The Twilight Zone episodes in any order? The answer is no. Okay. I was going to say well, the answer is maybe. Well, it is. It's no, but you'd miss out on some Easter eggs. There was an Easter egg from a previous episode in this episode. I don't know if you noticed it, but I noticed it. Well, I think I have a call to play about that later. So okay. you're right. All right. That, that is the main reason. There is very loose continuity from one episode to the other, mostly in the form of Easter eggs. Other than that, though, you can more or less watch them in any order. They are separate stories. They're standalone stories. There's no, uh, you know, it's not serialized in any way. It's just, it's, it's like watching old episodes of Starsky and Hutch where, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a, you know, bad guy of the week kind of thing. And by the end of the episode, everything is exactly the same as it was before. Right. So you can watch them in any order. It does not matter. It's not like 24 or Lost or The Walking Dead or anything like that. There's no continuity of storylines or characters or anything like that. The only thing you may miss out on are small little Easter eggs. And if you don't give a shit about that, then watch them in any order. Right. That's that. And, you know, me saying that after watching a grand total of seven episodes of The Twilight Zone in my entire life. <laughs> but that's the impression that I get with my limited knowledge. It's pretty true. Um, for the most part, the original 1950s and 60s Twilight Zone series, you can watch in any order. Um, this one, I would say, is pretty much the same. But as Jason said, it's mostly um, little Easter eggs that you, you might miss. Um, you know, Black Mirror comes to mind, of course, because it's also mostly an anthology series dealing with similar themes and technologies and so on that's another one that you can probably watch in any order but there is little bits of continuity here and there often in the forms of easter eggs that you might not understand or pick up on if you don't watch it from start to finish so kind of the same if you've done that then you have an idea of how the twilight zone works right all right let's get into our coverage of the next two episodes of the twilight zone you are now traveling through a dimension of imagination. You've just crossed over into the Twilight Zone. Okay, so the first episode we are going to talk about here is The Twilight Zone, Season 2, Episode 5. It's called Among the Untrodden, and it stars Abby Hearn and Sophia Macy. IMDb... The summary from IMDb is, a transfer student's unusual interests make her an easy target at, an all, at, a, at her new all-girls boarding school before she discovers her popular classmate's special talent. And this is what Jordan Peele, our narrator, had to say introducing the episode. High school. It's a period that for most of us already feels like a waking nightmare. One in which we're lost in a maze, searching for ourselves. But what if, during this precarious phase of our development, you introduced a set of extraordinary powers? That's all it will take to send the student body of St. Mary's boarding school on a harrowing field trip to the Twilight Zone. 
Thank you, Mr. Peel. So, yeah, this episode is about, uh, you know, Madison, who is a popular high school student at this all-girls private school. And then Irene shows up, a new student, to join her class. She is very much the sort of anti-cool girl. She is very nerdy, a little bit awkward. And uh, she shows up and wants to do a project on psychic abilities. So mm. she tests the class and she realizes that Madison, the popular girl, might have some powers. So as the episode goes on, they form a bond as Irene tries to help her discover and expand her powers. And it uh, progresses from there. Yeah, this uh, reminded me heavily of when I was a teenage girl at school. <laughs> sure. And you were doing a project on telekinesis? <laughs> no, I was just, you know, trying to n navigate the... Uh, you know, the, the, the politics of, uh, you know, an all girls boarding school and, uh, girls can be mean. Boys can be mean too, but in different ways. Oh yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I just, you know, high school for me wasn't that bad. I didn't, I didn't find it awful. I found it okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, how, how about you? Did you find high school awful? N no, not really. Um, I, I know people who, who consider high school like the greatest years of their life their life. And I know people who think high school was the absolute worst living nightmare. So I'm, I'm like you, I'm somewhere in between. I didn't really hate it, but I can't say it was an incredible experience where I, you know, scored the winning touchdown and everybody carried me off the field and it was the highlight of my life to that point. No, I don't have that experience either. So I'm in the middle like you. The, the only real experience of note that I can think of in high school, other than, you know, hanging out with friends and skipping class and doing fun stuff like that was the first time I ever juggled in front of an audience. The very first time I had learned how to juggle in early high school, I was probably grade 10, grade 11 when I uh, went into the talent show. Yep. I decided to go in the talent show that was performed in front of the whole school. Like it wasn't an evening talent show. It was a talent show that was done. Uh, during the Christmas assembly in front of the entire student body. And it was a large school, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 2000 kids. And they were all in the gym at the time. And I got up on stage and I juggled to an all instrumental Frank Zappa song. Uh, it was absolutely horrifyingly awesome. It was shocking. It was the first time I was in front of a crowd like that. The first time I did that, I was uh, absolutely terrified by the end of it. Uh, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun to, to do that. Well, that's a, that's a pretty seminal moment in your life, seeing as you went on to make a career out of juggling for a short time. Uh, yeah. Well, no, I still juggle mostly for my son. Well, when my, I know. When my wife makes me, cause I don't know, it just doesn't, I just don't pick up and juggle. She's like, Jason, juggle for Jasper. Okay. And I'm going <laughs> to, yeah, I bought him his own club or he plays with my clubs, but I bought him his own, uh, clutch juggling bean bags, And I'm going to teach him how to juggle. Cause I figure he could juggle five balls by the time he's six. At this rate, yeah. We were talking yeah. about how smart he is. He probably could. So we'll see. But, uh, you know, high school's rough. For a lot of people, high school's rough. Like even people I went to high school with that I had a lot of fun with in high school. The next time I performed in front of an audience juggling was with Scott. Mm -hmm. Scott and I did juggling in the talent show together. And we did passing. And Scott absolutely despised all of high school. It was absolutely horrifying for that guy. He hated every single second that he was forced to go to high school. And yet we had very similar experiences throughout high school. I enjoyed it. He hated it. Okay. Well, considering your, your experience during high school, 
How do you feel like this episode kind of depicted these two pretty tropey high school roles, right? The very popular kid and the not so popular or the nerdy kid. Um, because I, I, I think they did a reasonably good job of exploring these two types of characters in this episode. Yeah. Um, and, and all because of sort of the way it plays out in the end, but did, did, and, and these are the kind of characters we see a lot in movies, right? These are the, the stereotypes of high school. It's like, there's nobody else in high school, but these kind of characters, if all you watched was movies. So do you think- I assume that, uh, that high schools in the U.S. are just like this. Like, I, <laughs> I, I assume it's a distinction, you know, having cliques and the popular kids and the, and the nerds and the jocks and the, and the burnouts and all these little groups of people, I assume is an American thing because I didn't experience that in Canada. No, but that, that's, that's what that, that make me what? Anti-American? I don't know what that makes me. I just no. I assume that TV and movies that come from the U.S. teaches me that this is the way U.S. high school is. Well, that's my point, saying that if all you watched were TV and movies, you might think that, but because this is the <laughs> typical- and, um, and I do, and I do. And you do, right. Well, because that's the typical depiction- do you think this episode did a good job or took these kind of stereotypes any deeper than, than most? Not really. No. I don't, so, you know, a new kid comes, comes into class, a popular kid, I assume is threatened by new kid because new kids always mysterious. Right. And, you know, and kind of popular because they're new. <gasps> Look at the new kid mm -hmm. kind of thing. So anybody who's established and well-known and popular and likes where they are is going to feel threatened by that. And so they might act out like throwing a pencil or conjuring a pencil, I guess, mm -hmm. in, in one case. Uh, so that seemed pretty stereotypical. And then as soon as you got these two opposing uh, characters, you knew they were going to be friends, right? They just I didn't read the description beforehand. I had no idea what this episode was about before watching it. I had to figure it out as I went along. And then as soon as she said, oh, I'm going to do a project on, you know, psychic uh, phenomena. I'm like, oh, okay. That's what this episode is about. Right. Because, you know, why introduce something that isn't part of the plot? Like, that, really. would be, that would be ridiculous. So it all kind of uh, unfolded in my mind at that point. And how they got together to be, uh, instead of opposing forces, to be similar forces seemed forced. Sorry to use the word force a lot, but it's, it didn't seem natural to me. It seemed, uh, contrived and, uh, plot devicey. You mean that she would show up and, and be, I'm, you know, I'm doing this project, so I'm going to, I'm going to test you all. And, and she finds the powers in this girl. No, that's all fine and good. Like that kind of project doing the test and stuff. I think that was, that was actually an interesting presentation to do that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, and a project It's actually, for me, it would be an interesting project. I would have liked to have done a project like that. That's kind of interesting. You put together the, the data, you do the tests, uh, you know, you test your classmates. That all seems like a really good thing. And it would, you know, me as a teacher would support that if a student came up, came to me with that idea. Uh, so that was all well and good. It was the... Uh, you know, finding the outlier and then going to that, uh, that person's room and, uh, you know, confronting them about it right then and there. And then all of a sudden they want to meet into a, in a secret place so they can explore this idea of right. the psychic thing. It's just that, that leap from, uh, you know, antagonistic characters who are, uh, you know, and one antagonistic, one character goes to the other character's room who's full of her friends. 
right? It's not just like she's there by herself contemplating life and thinking about uh, the grand scheme of anything. She's actually there with her friends and therefore would automatically have her defenses up and be the, the, the annoying, uh, lashing out person that she was in class. She would be that same person in front of her friends. Well, and she was initially, right? She shows, uh, Irene shows up at the door and you're right. Madison's there with her friends. I think it's important for two things. I think she, she did sort of not respond very well at first. And also I think you need the friends there to reinforce that they're really jerky. And, you know, they do something later towards the end of the episode that, that, I mean, pays off isn't the right word, but reinforces that 100%, right? So I think that scene, well, you're right. I mean, maybe they should have met in a classroom or like the school library or something rather than her her room, like her personal space within this boarding school. Uh, I think it at least served the purpose of reinforcing the fact that the friends behind the scenes a little bit were super bitchy (laughs) And, and that Madison... You know, she she comes around, but she doesn't respond great, you know, right off the bat. Yeah. And I, I think that that leap from uh, being antagonistic characters to being uh, cooperative characters uh, didn't make logical sense to me. It was it seemed a little forced or it, I mean, maybe it just happened a little too quickly. Right. Because yeah. you're right. Well, I mean, they got, they got a lot to do in a short span of time. Here, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I'm trying to say is like. I get what you're saying. It, it was maybe a little bit forced or a little bit too easy, but what are they, they can't draw it out for too long. And I think they used that scene to, to do more than just, um, get these t- characters together into, uh, a friendship that's going to, you know, allow them to work together on this project kind of thing. I, I was a little bit more initially kind of weirded out by the fact that, yeah, they go down to this abandoned bathroom, like in the basement of the school, that's full of graffiti and apparently has never been cleaned or used. And they set up in there to do their like secret superpower tests. Right. Um, that, that seemed a little more unusual to me. I mean, first of all, why would they have access to it? And, uh, they explain why they know it's there, but it, it, it didn't seem to make a ton of sense to do that, but I guess they needed a location and yeah, secret, secret location. Yeah. I, I, that it could have been a shed in the woods. It could have been them sitting, uh, you know, at a drinking spot. That's a far from school. It didn't have to be in the school. You went to high school, right? Yeah, I did. But I mean, are these, do the, do, do people at boarding schools like this really leave the school that much? Are they even allowed to? I don't know. I, I don't think so. I, I, I don't know. But I do know that, uh, you know, being a former high school student in an old school, uh, every single nook and cranny of that school was known by the students, uh, except for areas that were locked from the students. Right. So That's there's what I'm no, there's not, there's no scenario I can think of where the staff of a boarding school would not know about an unlocked secret bathroom where the students could go and secretly get together. Yeah. And burn incense and light candles and I know. burn the whole fucking school down. Well, exactly. And that's the problem. Like it. It, it, that was a bit silly, but then at the same time, what else are they going to do? Like they can't go to the library. It's too public. They could maybe do it in somebody's room, maybe in Irene's room, but people always have roommates. I assume too public. They had to find a way to, to get these characters somewhere in private together. So I think I just kind of got to let that go, but that's basically what happens. Um, these 
two girls start doing this and they want to figure out what powers Madison have has. So they go and talk about it and they do, do some tests and they, they just try to figure it out. And, um, that's sort of how the episode plays out for the most part until there is, you know, some, some, uh, twisty type stuff that happens and the girls start hanging out again. The friends of Madison are kind of always there not being very nice. And what they ultimately end up doing is pulling this terrible prank on Irene, um, which causes her to freak out and put these other girls. I, I don't think they were dead. I think they were in some sort of coma state or something like that. I don't think we're meant to believe they were, they were dead. Well, they went off in, in ambulances that didn't have their lights and sirens going. Which right? usually indicates there's a body in there, not a living person. Yeah, there's no rush. But, yeah. And I don't think, I, I can't conceive of a scenario where you would take a, a, a kid out of a school that has collapsed where you wouldn't be in some kind of rush. Yeah. If they weren't dead. No, I understand what you mean. I just, I just didn't want to believe that she killed those, those girls. Like there were three of them. So, so they pull this prank where they do basically a science project that is designed to embarrass her, um, and, and point out the fact that she is not one of them. She's not part of their group and, uh, they don't like her. And they, and they put a phenomenal amount of work into it. Oh, a phenomenal amount of work into it. It's <laughs> a hell was of... amazing. It was like old TVs all wired together in this weird haphazard way. Yeah. And it was stylized. It was just, Jesus H. Christ, there was a lot of work put into that. It was a I hell... applaud the effort. It was a hell of a prank. Oh, absolutely. A lot of effort went into it. But this, this upsets Irene. She screams, puts them all into this coma or kills them or whatever. And so this is the twist of the episode that it appears... It was Irene with the powers all along, not Madison, right. who she's essentially kind of trying to been trying to train and bring the powers out in. And um, so at that point, I'm like, OK, you know, pretty obvious. I, 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 I sort of saw this coming, you know, it's uh, it, there, there had to be something here where it wasn't just, oh, someone has powers, telekinesis, whatever, mind reading. Um, and we're just going to explore that. The twist is that it's really Irene and there you go. It it wasn't, it was after Irene had fallen to her death, right? Yes. That this happened. And when she was fine, when Madison picked her up, all the other girls just kind of left, which was kind of weird. It's like, oh no, she's fallen and she's dead. I better go back to my room. And, uh, and, and Madison goes down there as soon as, because they had established the, the pencil and the key, right? Once, uh, once, and they said, once the the object that you've conjured uh, finishes its purpose or completes its purpose, it disintegrates. The pencil disintegrated uh-huh. after she threw it. The key disintegrated after they used it. And I was like, oh, I, I guess Irene's going to disintegrate as soon as, uh, as soon as Madison's done with her. Okay, well, that's ultimately what happens, but I hadn't got there yet. So I saw the pencil disintegrate, turn to dust at the beginning. The key they use to, to um, get out onto that balcony does the same thing. But it worked so well for me because they, they set up the fact that she can conjure things. One of her powers is the ability to create things, conjure stuff up. Right. And so, you know, you don't know that at the beginning when the pencil disintegrates and then you, they, they say it straight up when they have this key and it disintegrates. Um, so 
I was like, okay, cool power. She can conjure something. Um, but because the whole premise of their relationship was trying to determine what her actual powers are, that was enough to trick me into thinking, well, it's just another one of her powers. It's not, it's not more important than any of the other ones we've seen her do like mind read or whatever. And then, you know, she, they're out on this balcony. Irene falls off. Madison goes down, wakes her up. And you're thinking, okay, she has some sort of resurrection power, which is a pretty powerful thing, obviously. But again, because of the whole concept of the episode, it's like, we're just, we're learning new powers that she has. And that's what it is. Um, it's still the first time I watched it wasn't enough for me to figure out the second twist of the episode or the true twist of the episode, which was that Irene actually was conjured by Madison and she was not um, a real living human. She was there to serve a purpose and she would disappear at the end. Right. I assumed that Madison had conjured a copy of Irene, that Irene was a real person, but she did fall to her death but Madison didn't want uh, the school to find out that she was dead. So she conjured a copy. Right. Okay. Or that... resurrected her somehow as a copy. I just, I, because of the, the, the step-by-step process of, uh, you know, make something. And then once it serves its purpose, it turns into dust. Uh-huh. I, I had, you know, I followed that chain of events and I'm like, you know, three data points make a graph, right? Mm-hmm. So this was the third data point And it, to me, it was, okay, she's conjured. She's going to turn into dust. Sure. And I that- knew it was Madison that did it because uh, if it was Irene that was doing it, Irene just died. Right. So yeah. if, even if Irene, if, and it, it also solved the, who, which one of them is psychic, uh, which one of them has psychic powers. I'm like, well, I can't be Irene. She's dead. She's dead. She just died. She can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true, but like I it's it's interesting. You you're saying that you thought at that moment she conjured a copy of her, not from the beginning. That's right. That was that twist got me at the end. Which which I do think is interesting and I, I think is a is a part of the su- success of the episode. Like you figured out the conjuring thing. I didn't really. Um but even even what you thought was going on wasn't truly what was going on, but it was close. And I think okay, that's, so I think that says a lot for the episode. Let me ask you a question then. Sure. If Madison conjured Irene from the beginning, did she also conjure Irene's parents to register her at the school? <laughs> did she conjure the money needed to have the registration done? Because Irene had a room, right? She lived there. Everybody else saw her. She had a spot in the classroom. She had a, had a dorm room to go to. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, where did the money come from? Where, you know, did she register herself? She didn't just walk through the door one day. Well, she walked through the door and she manipulated everybody else to believe that all this, all this, uh, (laughs) stuff had happened so that this new student was here. Did she implant the memory into the teacher? What, what, what's going on here? Because the teacher knew she was coming, right? She's like, oh, there you uh are. Yeah. You know, this is the, the new student. These are some of the most Jason questions you've ever asked, <laughs> and I should not be surprised that you're thinking about things on that level. Um, I'm going to say that one of um, Madison's powers is, in fact, implanting thoughts and memories. So everyone who saw Irene, witnessed her, whatever, sort of had the information in their brain to explain it. Okay. Well, let's just go with the whole school is fake. 
<laughs> could, right? could she's, be. she's there because maybe she's just really in an insane asylum and uh, is dreaming all of this, much like, uh, what, what's that movie? Uh, Sucker Punch? I've never seen Sucker Punch. You shouldn't. It's awful. Okay. I've seen it. I know. Okay. I'll take your <laughs> word for it. But uh, is it real? Is it not? Uh, you know, is she in an insane asylum and making all this up in her mind? Is she really psychic? You know, where, where do you draw the line at this point? Right. Well, the logic doesn't make sense to me. No, I guess not. After but, all. Um, Madison, uh, so at the, ultimately the end of the episode, we realize that really Madison is looking for a true friend, someone that will truly be her friend. And when that moment happens is the moment that Irene uh, crumbles into dust because she has served her purpose. Right. The tragedy of it all, really, is that the final shot of the episode is Madison back in class, same classroom probably, and another new girl shows up in her class, equally kind of awkward and, you know, not so cool. And I think we are to believe that the cycle is starting all over again. Yep. So that was like kind of twist 2.5 to the episode, right? We, we learned that Irene's not real, that she's been conjured by Madison to help her deal with her, you know, adolescent, teenage, high school struggles in a way, which happened to involve superpowers. And, but the fact is that it didn't really help at all because another, another girl just shows up at the end and they're going to do the same dance over and over again. Yeah. Um, which it's, was to me, kind of tragic. It, it was tragic. To me, it's like playing a video game. You, you play a video game that you love and uh, you complete the main quest and then you do all the side quests and then you do all the other stuff to get all the uh, achievements. Uh, like on the Xbox, you do all the achievements. You want to get 100% completion. You do all this, you do that, you do this, you complete everything and then you're kind of tooling around. You're going, what the fuck was the point of this? <laughs> like I just put 160 hours into this game and what do I got to show for it? I mean, sure, I've completed the game, but Jesus, is this my life? It's really kind of sad. It's a, yeah. it's, it's an enjoy, it's, it's incredibly enjoyable right up until the end when you realize the whole fucking thing was a waste. Yep. Right? And <laughs> so to me, it's very similar. It's just like, sure, you have a friend, uh, but it's not real. It, it's not a real thing. Like there's no stakes. There's no, uh, you know, ha having that that excitement of meeting someone that you really like and uh, you really have as a true friend, it's someone that the whole thing is just, you know, it's made up. Well, even it's if like, you- It's like I, uh, I wake up tomorrow morning and I find out that uh, secretly my wife has been paying you for years to be my friend. <laughs> right? Well, I, uh, I will neither confirm nor deny that. <laughs> That's fine. I actually met you before my wife, so maybe you're paying my wife. That would be, make it worse. Yeah. But yeah, let's just not go there. But it, you know, it's it's uh, it's kind of sad. It is tragic that uh, the only friend that she has is someone that she's made up. I mean, that's happened to many people in this world today. Sure. I yeah. can probably think of a few where the only friends they have are people that they really don't have any friends, but they pretend they do. <laughs> so sad. Well, yeah, that's, that, that makes the ending really kind of a downer. Uh, w but I don't think it really takes away from the episode. I, I, I didn't ask you straight up if you like this one. Um, but it, 
hopefully it's clear that I thought this one was, again, quite good. Um, and one of the other things I, I really liked about it is the way they used sort of superpowers as a metaphor for the struggles of high school. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you're dealing with all kinds of things. You're dealing with emotions. You're dealing with being, you know, transitioning from being a kid to an adult. And like, that's hard for, for anybody at times, you know, and all Madison wants is someone to be a friend, to be a good friend, to share the experience with. And then she thinks she achieves that and the friend disappears, you know, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's a great great metaphor really um and i think it was depicted really well in this this episode and part of the reason i think it worked for me so well is that both of these actresses did a great job i especially want to call out um irene who was played by sophia i think that macy. was yeah that was sophia macy you know when she's first introduced in that opening scene in in the classroom she comes in and she has to introduce herself she, to me, she came off as vaguely sort of unrealistic, which fits perfectly with the narrative of the episode. But she says, like, I like Indian food and memes and other stuff, you know, and I'm just like, that's so awkward and weird. But I could see it. I could see a, a kid coming, coming in and, and being something like that. She yeah, seems I like potatoes and the question mark. Yeah, exactly. It's super weird. <laughs> oh, but, you know, why not? And strange, but. Whatever. She comes, uh, she comes across as really uncomfortable in her own skin, you know? So I think it was, I think it was all just done so well. Credit to the actresses who were doing it. Um, and she's super awkward and doesn't really exist. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was really good, but, uh, yeah, overall I like this one quite a bit, uh, as I have most of the episodes so far. Um, but yeah. That's, that's where I'm at with this one. I mostly liked it. One thing that really freaked me out and, uh, made me thank goodness that it wasn't real is, uh, do I ever not want to know what people are thinking? If I could read minds, I'd probably be drunk all the time to make it go away. Cause I absolutely do not not want to know what people actually think of me. No for way. For one thing or what they actually are thinking. Most of the time they're probably thinking about something else. You're having a conversation with someone and they're thinking about, Geez, I really got to pee, right? Or anything, yeah. Whatever, whatever they're thinking about, like, I, I can't count the number of conversations that I've had with people where I'm totally, like, thinking about video games or- <laughs> Checked out. Just, just checked out. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, honey, I'm not part of this conversation right now, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm hearing you, but I'm not listening to you or something. <laughs> so I'm super glad that I cannot read minds, and I'm super glad that nobody can read my mind. Right. Well, there's theoretically, a, or at the very least, they're not letting me know they can read my mind. Cause if that, that would be even worse, right? I can, oh, I can read your mind and here's proof. I, I would never see that person again. No. I mean, there's a reason humans can't read each other's minds. I mean, imagine how different society would be if we could. So, you know, would it be better? Probably not. <laughs> at least not from <laughs> the way I experience things right now. Not for a long time. Not till we evolve as uh, a species into a more enlightened form yeah. where uh, being able to share thoughts would be a, uh, a communal experience uh, and enlightening rather than, uh, you know, it's horrible enough to see people's actions, 
Uh, it'd be even worse if you could see people's actions and actually know what they were thinking. It'd be like, man, that fucker is crazy. Oh yeah. People's actions are bad enough. If you knew what they were thinking, we'd all be insane. It probably wouldn't make any sense. No, that's right. Too. Like, we, you know, if we could read people's minds, it would be completely baffling. Like, I don't know. We, we wouldn't probably hear language. We'd probably get impressions and be like, man, that's twisted. Cause you know, we're born with this thing in our head that is just a ball of potential thought, right? And then from that point forward, we just figure it out, right? We're not programmed. No. Nope. We have this, this ball of shit that uh, is just, this doesn't know what eyes are or ears are, but we get this constant input and eventually we kind of sort it out so we can uh, make sense of this input that we're getting, but no two people probably do it in the same way. I mean, we understand on a cognitive level that, you know, when we, two people see the same thing, they can recognize that it's the same thing, but we don't interpret that in our brains the same way. So it's, it's just this twisted mess. If you could read somebody else's mind, it'd be like completely alien. Totally. Totally. I mean, the uh, human brain is an amazing thing. (laughs) Yeah. And And frightening. And I'm glad we can't do that. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, before we move on to episode six of the Twilight Zone, I have a call here from listener Kate. Hi, Chris. Hi, Jason. I have a holy crap. Did you see that from season two, episode five of the Twilight Zone among the untrodden? And that was, did you notice that the girls, I think it was in the scene while they were partying in the dorm room, had a copy of the celebrity magazine with the minx on the cover from the previous episode, Ovation. We had to go back and rewind it, but we saw it. So I thought that was pretty cool, especially since it seems like they would have had something like that. So it wasn't just gratuitous. It kind of made sense. Anyway, I also wanted to thank you because I'm visiting my sister right now and I'm helping out with the kids there and we've been watching season two of The Twilight Zone and I just wanted to watch it because I said my favorite podcast is reviewing season two and I wanted to catch up with it and so it's just been a nice way for us to unwind and spend time. So yeah, all right, hope y'all are staying safe and take care. Oh, this is Kate in San Francisco. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kate. Uh, and uh, it's it's fantastic to hear that you're you're enjoying enjoying the coverage here um, of the of the Twilight Zone that we're doing and that we're your favorite podcast. That is awfully nice. That's sweet to hear. And that you are visiting your sister and helping out with the kids. That's Amazing. Nice. Everything about Kate I love. It's fantastic. Um so she pointed out the fact that the magazine with the uh, pop star on the cover from the last episode made an appearance in this episode. So two things. Number one, going back to our emailer from the beginning, this is a perfect example of the kind of Easter egg you might miss if you watch them out of order. Or at least, you know, you'll sort of maybe pick up on the Easter egg in a different way if you watch this one before the last one. But it's, it's an argument to watch them in order anyways. And yep. second of all, is this the Easter egg that you were referring to at the beginning, Mr. Jason? It is the Easter egg I was referring to. I noticed this. I only watched the episode once. Mm-hmm. You, I know you normally watch them twice, but I only watched the episode once and I did catch it. I'm like, oh, that's the thing. There you go. And there are other ones too that I, I'm sure some I've missed. Um, and, you know, I'm sure we have listeners that can, uh, that have picked up on more. So there's other stuff 
baked into these episodes that kind of relate to each other. But that's that's a great example right there. Yeah. And speaking of watching things out of order, I can tell you that I saw Empire Strikes Back before I saw Star Wars. I mean, uh, that's, one. that's just wrong. I don't support yeah, that decision at all. It's weird. The first Star Trek thing I ever watched in my entire life, I had never watched an episode. I had never watched a movie. The first movie I ever saw was The Search for Spock, which is the third one. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea why DeForest Kelly had Spock in his head. I'm like, what? Anyway, uh, what else? I think I saw Temple of Doom before I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. I've watched a lot of things like iconic things out of order. This was before the internet and before you could go, like when you wanted to watch a movie, this was before fucking VHS. Okay. (laughs) So I went to, you know, when Empire Strikes Back came out in the theater, my parents wanted to take me to go see it. It wasn't the kind of thing where you would go, shit, we should wait and wait and watch Star Wars. Cause there was no way to do that. Right. You just had to go. (laughs) You just had to go. So we went and we watched it. And I had no idea when Luke and Leia, when Leia said, I love you. And, and sorry. And, uh, Han Solo said, I know, you know, I had none of the backstory. Right. And so, and I learned, you know, spoiler alert. Uh, but, uh, I learned that, uh, Darth Vader was Luke's father before I saw Star Wars. And I'm like, oh, that's his dad. Huh. Right. How about that? <laughs> huh. So yeah. it wasn't a big reveal for me. Uh, anyway, so I've seen significant things out of order, so I understand. Yeah, this for sure. This is, you know, you can watch them out of order, but you'd miss the, uh, the magazine. But does it matter? Not really. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to season two, episode six of the Twilight Zone. This one is called Eight, just the number eight. It is starring Joel McHale, who you will remember from Community and other stuff. Uh-huh. Nadia Hilker who you will, you will know well as Magda on The Walking Dead. Yep. And Michelle Ang, who also has a Walking Dead connection, Jason, but I bet you don't know what it is. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. She was on Fear for a few episodes. Oh, she was on the web series of Fear the Walking Dead where they explained that Oh, right, that Flight 494. Yeah, okay, I gotcha. Flight 462, right. So I didn't remember that either until I looked her up on IMDb, but that's... Uh, where some huge Walking Dead fans might remember her from. Now, IMDb says, a team of scientists discover a new, highly intelligent species that may endanger more than their research. And Mr. Peel went on to say this. At the bottom of the world, a group of scientists is about to encounter an entity of vast intelligence. What they are about to learn will go further and deeper than anything they hoped to learn. Beyond science, beyond fear, beyond humanity, in the Twilight Zone. That's right. So we've got a team of people at some sort of Arctic, not underwater, but access- Antarctic. Antarctic, you're right. Because he says the bottom of the world. I, I assumed it was Antarctic, but it didn't make a lot of sense to me, but we'll get there. Okay, so Antarctic, you're right. I I do want to be specific. They're at a research station. They have access to the water, to the the ocean beneath the ice, and they're they are there doing something. Um, I'm not going to claim that I think it was all that 100% clear what they were doing, and I'm just going to say off the top that this is the first episode of season two of the Twilight Zone that I thought was 
garbagio. It was pretty garbagey. Except for the fact that giant squids, uh, they don't have to dress them up for them to be fucking freaky. Because okay. they're goddamn freaky just out of the box. Okay, giant squids and octopi are fascinating creatures. I have thought that for a long time. I They are some of the genuinely most amazing creatures on Earth. But I thought somehow this episode made them boring and silly and not worth watching. Um, <laughs> I, I think maybe part of it was that the episode was asking us to accept just a little too much. Uh, I didn't buy into it. I didn't believe it. I thought the final shot of the episode was just cuckoo bananas stupid. And if they'd somehow been able to dial all this back or something, then maybe I'd, I'd have been on board. But man, giant squid, like, yeah. they're cool, but not Did today. You have to be careful with them because they'll like, if you have them in a tank, they'll lift the lid of the tank, crawl out, move over to a storm drain, open up the drain, go down the drain and find their way to the goddamn ocean without ever knowing what the fuck a drain is or a tank. Okay. To begin with. Fair enough. And squids are smart. That's great. I get it. Or somehow they've figured out how to use drains uh, that are human inventions. Uh, well, I figure they're human level intelligence. That's what I personally believe that, uh, you know, there's there's some animals, mostly in the ocean, that are of human level intelligence. Dolphins, whales, giant squids. Well, giant squids maybe even more so than those other ones. And that's okay. I mean, yes, fine. They're, they're intelligent, smart species. But I, for some reason, couldn't buy into what we saw in this episode. Uh, the way... So, all right. So let's, let's step back a little bit. This, they're, they're, they're the researchers in this station. Somebody gets killed in the water. Uh, they have a squid in captivity in one of these things. And essentially the episode plays out with the squid escaping. Um, going to, uh, you know, attacking these people more or less or, or outsmarting them in a way and ultimately being revealed to of be of human level intelligence, possibly greater than human level intelligence, and well, greater. They knew how to use cell phones, and uh, they reverse engineered genetics and reversed the genetics. So instead of humans living in the water, the squids could live on land. You like don't they couldn't before, right? And anyway. you don't find that just stupid? <laughs> oh, it's absolutely horribly <laughs> like, stupid. I guess the sorry. dumbest thing ever. This is it's the worst idea since Chappie. Oh, Chappie was an awful movie, awful movie. Yeah. But but that's what it is. So the squid get breaks out of captivity, kills a bunch of people, uses the cell phones, understands the human technology, understands the human uh, genome system or whatever you want to call it, and then escapes. And it turns out that this squid is leading a squid army that we see at uh -huh. the end that are going yeah. to squid their way out of the ocean and take over the land and I didn't take a clip of it but Jordan Peele's monologue at the end was that essentially saying that it turns out that humans are not the dominant species on the planet which is not a new idea not something that hasn't been explored before um, but what he's saying is that we you know we were sort of here to just prime the planet get it ready for the true inhabitants which will be the squids that are going to move out of the ocean and take over the earth well that's probably 
the way it's going to be anyway, right? <laughs> so, like there's always a precursor, you know, a, a civilization or a group of dominant animals on the planet that uh, eventually are not around anymore and make way for a new dominant animal. It's just the, the way the world goes. Yeah. And, you know, we weren't when, you know, the dinosaurs were roaming the earth and they were big fuckers that really kind of dominated things for a very long time. Uh, we were just these little kind of monkeys that, uh, you know, were kind of screwing around in burrows and mm-hmm. hanging out in trees and, uh, <laughs> and such. So yeah. I, you know, so, and then the dinosaurs died out and that gave us our chance. If the dinosaurs hadn't died out, we'd, We'd basically be, uh, we'd, I eventually dinosaurs would become intelligent and, you know, develop lasers and we'd be a uh, food source. We'd be like, probably herded like cattle of some kind. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I mean, I guess for our sake, it's lucky it didn't go that way, but I think it's funny that you say we were just a bunch of sort of monkey like creatures screwing around in burrows and I'm like, okay, what do I do all day? I sit in my basement I sit, sit on a computer, do some work, talk on the internet. I'm screwing around in my burrow, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so no, it's, it's true. Or trees. I mean, we find the rocking motion very relaxing, right? Uh-huh. That's because we kind of became, uh, you know, we came from trees, right? We didn't grow on trees. Well, we did grow on trees, but we didn't, you know, weren't hatched on trees. Right. Uh, you know, we might've been born on trees, some of us anyway, but, uh, you know, we, we, you know, we hung out in trees. All right. Trees so, are fun. So this whole thing though, the the whole concept of this is a fascinating idea, sure, but I don't think it was depicted or this story was told very well in this episode, even though I find giant squid fascinating creatures. Um, it was, and part of that was just the way it was written, I guess. I think this episode was almost 100% tell us and not show us. It had Joel McHale constantly like voiceovering or just saying out loud what the audience needed to know, right? There's scenes with him and Nadia Hilker and um, he's just kind of like explaining what they're doing and what he thinks the octopus is doing and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, this is just stupid. It's boring. Like, why not find a better way to portray this information to us? Um, He, you know, he tells us their motives for being there. And then uh, Michelle Ang, the Chinese character, what she's doing there. He tells us what the octopus is doing. I'm like, come on, guys. You're just, you're just speechifying information to us and it's not working. Yeah. Have you ever been to the Arctic or Antarctic? No. (laughs) Have you seen pictures of the Antarctic? Probably. Does it, when in these pictures and videos of the actual Antarctic, does it seem cold? Yeah. Did it seem cold in this? television show um i mean they had big thick boots on and stuff like that but i never really thought to myself huh it must be really cold there yeah canvas tents you think that would help on a minus 70 degrees not a lot no do you think was there any wind blowing blowing those winds there's the antarctic uh is a big open wasteland Mm -hmm. uh there's a lot of wind yeah it's very windy yeah yeah Uh, this tent did not seem like it was waving in any kind of wind uh, it did not look like it was cold. They were storing, uh, gasoline and propane in the tent where they had, uh, this hole into the ocean. Uh, <laughs> have you ever been ice fishing? I have not, but I understand the concept. You drill a hole, you fish, you constantly have to fish or you have constantly have to take newly forming ice out of the hole. So the whole thing doesn't fucking freeze over. Oh yeah. This was a giant goddamn hole that nobody gave a shit about. And it just remained a giant goddamn hole in the ocean. This sucker would freeze over in about 
five minutes. Well, I mean, the logistics of it can be explained by it's a research station. They have advanced whole maintaining technology. Yeah, and magic tents that hold up minus right. 70 degrees uh, Celsius. Like any of the research stations are, first of all, off the ground because if you're touching the ice, you're going to freeze. So the whole things are off the ground. They're like underwater habitats that are, you know, put on the land and it's still goddamn cold all the time, all the time. everywhere. And you don't go outside unless you absolutely have to for a couple of minutes before you freeze to death. Yeah. In well, the summer. To be fair, nobody went outside in this one. Uh, they did go they in. They kind of the- did. They went from tent A to tent B. Like that whole tent was not the same tent that they were living in. Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was connected by a tent tube of some kind. Tent- okay. Well, if, it, if there's a tent tube, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the, this, 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 you know, unless you lay down these foundational ideas for me, I can't buy into an episode. Wow. And so I couldn't buy into this episode. And then I was, you know, squid in a cooler. And first of all, those were awesome coolers. I don't know if you noticed the coolers, but those are like $600 coolers. Okay, fair. <laughs> they got the coolers right, at least. Yeah, in the Arctic. Why do you need a really, really good cooler in the Arctic? I don't know. No, just because <laughs> the monster has to hide somewhere. And it's... It, Wouldn't all, a pail do in that case? Yeah, of course. All of these details contribute it to being a bad episode. Um, the the constant just telling us what to do was dumb. I thought they they tried to introduce like human tension in this by kind of causing a rift between the characters, like you know Joel McHale and Nadia Hilker. You know, were scheming to do something and then. Uh, Michelle Ang was, you know, didn't speak English. And so she was the bad guy, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Ch- Chinese characters, a spy is a spy, you know, pretty, right? And pretty tropey. She, and then it's, yeah. And then she, it's revealed that she's there acting on her own on behalf of the Chinese government. And she wants to exploit the properties of the octopus and splice it with human genes so that people can do what octopus octopi can do. But it turns out that's what the octopus does to them. And okay, that's a reversal. That's a twist. But it's not that interesting. And They should splice our genetics with a watermelon so we'd be more delicious and grow seeds. I think that's a fantastic idea. So we can do what the watermelon does. Well, I mean, that would only be marginally dumber than I thought this episode was. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why not splice our uh, DNA with uh, something awesome, like a... I don't even know. Well, I fr- octopuses are awesome. Like, like a human octopi hybrid would be super cool. I don't know. Really? I don't know. But, but these these squids—they're very good at camouflage. Like, have you ever you've seen the actual squids camouflage in the ocean, right? I've seen the real things do it, and they did it in this episode too, right? When uh, when when it attacks the one guy, and then it yeah, it camouflages. Well, you don't need to it. fake it out like this. Like the natural real life squid ability to camouflage itself is phenomenal and scary all on its own. You don't have to make them hyper intelligent just because the humans are dumb anyway. Just make the humans dumber and the uh, squids would be smarter by comparison. Yeah, make the, well, oh, and this is my final point here, I think, that I would have been more on board with this episode if they had just made it kind of a scary monster survival story. This The squid is is inside the station the humans are dumb. The squid is smart. It has these amazing squid powers of camouflage and the ability to squeeze through little drains and stuff like that. 
Yeah, and suck your face off because they got those sucker things that. Uh, yeah. If, if you're, you ever see somebody trying to eat a live squid and then get these their goddamn tentacles stuck to their face, well, no. You that, get them off, you bleed. That sounds Check horrible. Check it out. YouTube has videos and stuff of people doing that. I don't know if I want to watch that, but that that happens in this episode too. Dude gets his eyeballs sucked out. Right. All yeah. of that would have been fine if they were just like this squid is attacking us and we have to survive somehow. That could have been fun. Like, I don't know how it would have played out, but that could have been made for a fun episode. Um, it's just all the other stuff they had to inject into it, trying to make a point. I just don't think worked. And, uh, that was it. You know, it, it should have just been squid attack station. Humans don't survive. <laughs> yeah. I think it would have been marginally worse only a little bit worse if it, instead of a squid it was a, a, a giant tomato didn't they make a tomato monster movie oh there was yeah there was attack of the killer tomatoes or something wasn't yeah there? yeah okay there you go yeah. that's what we're talking about here right <laughs> it's exactly it's basically attack of the killer tomatoes but instead of tomatoes we have hyper intelligent squid monsters well and hyper intelligent squid monsters i find more believable than killer tomatoes it's just everything marginally else. Okay, marginally, but it's just why not a, just be aliens? You know, we've dug down into the Arctic ice and we found aliens. Well, because then it would be the thing, and they needed oh, to yeah. they needed to separate themselves from the thing a little bit, I suppose. And oh, okay, so they went more attack of the giant attack of the killer tomatoes. To they went that way instead of going. You know, they overcorrected. I think is what they what they did. Yeah, maybe. But like what I said before is is in that or what what did I say that that yes, octopus squids are super fascinating and um you know i don't mind them as like sort of a monster that's attacking someone uh, but somehow they didn't make it work here because they tacked on all this other bs that i thought took away from the episode rather than added to it yeah you know i recently uh, oddly enough i recently watched um <sighs> what's the name of that austin powers i watched the austin powers movie where they had uh uh they had dolphins with freaking lasers All on, right. their, on right. them. And, you know, that's basically what they got here, right? Is got the, you know, a basic animal souped up because it's awesome. So you might as well have had dolphins with freaking lasers on them uh, attacking this uh, Antarctic outpost. I guess. Yeah. Well, didn't work for me and I was bummed. This was the first episode of season two that I absolutely didn't like. And uh, hopefully they can get it back together next week. With, uh, I'm sure they can. With something new. And, you know, Joel McHale, I kind of like that guy. He's all right. Really? I, really? Well, okay. He was good in Community, but what else? Okay, Any? fair enough. I like him in Community, and I sometimes go back and watch episodes of Community, and I still enjoy that show. But it's a good show. You're right. It's not really Joel McHale that makes that show good. <laughs> That's an ensemble cast that really support each other. You're right. And, and Absolutely. It, and everybody shines in that. They're better together than they are alone. Fair Any enough. one of them. Fair enough. Uh, although, um, except for maybe Childress Gambino there. What, what's his name? Yeah. Can't remember his real name. He's amazing. He's pretty good. Donald Glover. Donald Glover. He's amazing at what he does. Uh, I thought Atlanta was a brilliant show. Um, Nadia Hilker. Yeah. I haven't seen her in much other than Walking Dead. Um, and sure I've had my issues with her in Walking Dead, but for the most part, I think she plays that character quite well and God, she embodies the comic version of Magda really well, I think. So no problems really there, but nah, man, it's given bad material. Uh, they, they couldn't save this one for me. So, 
All right, uh, there you have it. That's Twilight Zone Season 2, Episodes 5 and 6. If you guys have any thoughts on either of these episodes or think we're, like, totally out of our minds for disliking the the one about the squid, um, let us know. We would love to hear from you. So we've watched six episodes so far, right? Correct. So are we, uh, where are we in the series? How many episodes in total? There's ten. So we got two more episodes of this if we do two per episode. All right, so we're halfway through, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And so I think, and like I said earlier in this uh, in this podcast, I've only watched probably a total of seven or eight episodes. I've seen a couple of Twilight Zone episodes from the original series. Yep. The first one, the one with Shatner, and uh, that's the only ones I can, oh, there was one where uh, somebody was horribly disfigured and they turned out to be pretty and everybody else was horribly disfigured. Yeah. So being pretty was horribly disfigured. Uh-huh. Uh, that was interesting. Maybe sure. I didn't see the episode, I just saw it. You know, I'm aware of the trope. Anyway, uh, my opinion so far on the Twilight Zone, if if I may. Sure. Is that, uh, and, and it's my problem. I think that every episode that I go in to watch, I'm expecting to be blown away. And uh. I haven't been. I mean, I've enjoyed some of the episodes, other episodes I haven't enjoyed. But uh, Twilight Zone has been hyped up in my mind my entire life. Partly by me, and, probably. And partly by you. I was just going to say that, you know, yeah. it is your hands hands down favorite show. You've said that, right? I mean, pretty close. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it is, I love it and it's very important to me. So I think I'm going in with too much expectation. I'm expecting to be blown away by the coolness and the, uh, the surprise ending or the, the thought experiment or something. And I've been mostly meh with this so far. So as a, as a series and, uh, this second season, how does this second season of the twilight zone rank in as, uh, within the show overall for you? Well, let me just say also the, the ones you've seen, the very few you've seen of the original series, like nightmare at 20,000 feet, the one with Shatner, um, and the others you mentioned are, are all pretty iconic episodes too. So not only has it been built up in your mind, probably just through pop culture, but also from the fact that what you have seen have been pillars of excellence. Well, and I, and I've sought them out, right? Specifically because they were these pillars. Uh, so I, yeah, I think I agree with you that, you know, it's like, oh, I should go watch that, uh, that Twilight Zone episode where, you know, Shatner's in it. Shit, it's Shatner. Because Shatner. (laughs) right um so yeah so you may be going in with 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 ultimate super high expectations which uh i mean that's not a bad thing you know you should expect the best right um you won't always find it but maybe once in a while you will uh how this ranks overall in the twilight zone um it's it's hard to say that anything out does like the originals for me but I have years of perspective on them. You know, I started watching them when I was late in late in my teens. So yeah. I was, I was, you know, I was new to uh, stuff like that at the time. Um, the, the environment that I watched them in was absolutely perfect in my opinion for experiencing something like this just really quickly. Uh, when I was, I got my first job in a grocery store when I was 15 years old, you know, stocking shelves. Nice. And I worked there for a number of years during those teenage years, probably at least until I was 18 
or 19. And um, early on in that job, I got a little bit of money. I didn't have anything to spend it on, really. So I bought myself a small 14-inch CRT TV for my room. Oh, wow. Black and white? No, not black and white, but... Full color? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it, magic. It, it might not have even been 14. It might have been 12 inches. It was small. I was telling the kids about it just recently, and they're like, that is so lame, Dad. Like, how did you even see anything? I'm like, I don't know, but it was amazing. <laughs> it's all this fucking 480 lines of glorious colors. Oh. I mean, it, that sounds amazing to me. It was brutal. Maybe I'm a little older than your kids. Yeah, but I, I put it in my room. First TV I had in my room, got rabbit ears. Uh, we didn't have cable growing up in my house, so uh, rabbit ears it was. I, I pulled in, you know, five or six over-the-air channels at the time, one of which was a local TV station that broadcast the Twilight Zone at like 11.30 at night, maybe 11 p.m. Uh, on Fridays and Saturdays. And that's where I discovered it, so I was feeling really cool because I had a bit of money. I got myself a TV. I could watch whatever yeah. I want, whenever I wanted it. And I was just open to anything. You know, the, oh, the, you weren't, the yeah. TV world was my oyster. And the first thing that I discovered was the Twilight Zone. And I thought, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Because before now, TV for me was all friggin' public access or CBC, which is our Canadian broadcasting company. Um, not to, not to, uh, you know, talk bad about any of those things, but well, you can't diss the CBC. No, I, and I don't, and I don't, it's a national treasure. Uh, but man, like, was I ready for something like this at the time? And I fell in love yeah. with it. So all that is to say it was the perfect viewing environment for me at the time. So it's hard for me to say that anything is better than that, but I have enjoyed this Jordan Peele version of the twilight zone season one and two quite a bit. So Good. for the most part, I'm really, really happy with it. And, uh, I think it ranks pretty high. I don't nearly have the same fond memories of anything from the 1980s Twilight Zone when they resurrected it there. Um, so I gotta say, I got, I have to think that this is better than that. Definitely. Okay, good. Well, yeah, you know, and, and that kind of nostalgia plays a big part. Uh, like also the other day, I, I started watching the Blues Brothers. I watched the first half hour of the Blues Brothers uh -huh. and I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. And every single shot, <laughs> every single word, every single nuance in that first half hour was a delight to me. And I was, you know, first time I've seen it in many years. And I was thinking of, uh, you know, when I show this to my son, because there's going to be a day that I want to watch the Blues Brothers with my son. He's absolutely not old enough now. Uh, but when I'm watching it, obviously he's not going to have the same nostalgia. And I'm going to have a hard time not trying to impress upon him how awesome this movie mm -hmm. is, because it's going to mean absolutely goddamn nothing to him. I've been through that experience a number of times with my kids, right? They're 13 and 11, so they're old enough to see all kinds of movies now. Um, and they do not... Uh, it's impossible for them to share the same experience with things like Star Wars or the Twilight yeah. Zone that, that I had, right? Even though I want them, they've seen all the Star Wars movies and so on, it's just not the same. Kids have to find their own pop 
culture touch points. Right. And this is what you're saying with the Twilight Zone. It was your first, yeah. you know, you got your TV, your very first TV that you got and had absolute control over with the money you earned exactly. from your job. And through that, you discovered this show that nobody made you watch, mm-hmm. right? It's It was all you. It was all your discovery and that nostalgia is uh, is is all yours. Yeah, and and and, and I'm uh, I'm happy that you have that. And I, you know, it, it's nice that I have that as well. Your kids will have that with some stupid movie that doesn't make any goddamn sense to you. Oh. They're just gonna love it, and it's gonna be like this big nostalgia moment for them. It's like you're gonna go that movie. Well, I can that tell you what it is movie. already. Oh, please, that'd be awesome. One, one of the things, anyways, is Harry Potter. They right. love Harry Potter. They've watched the movies. Dozens of times. And uh, in 30 years, they're going to be looking back at Harry Potter the way I look back at Star Wars. Yeah. Um, the the one At least thing, it's not that bad. I mean, there's no. some bad movies out there. Like, at least it's not Twilight that they're looking <laughs> back on going, you remember? I remember Twilight. That was well, such an iconic thing, nostalgic thing for me. Sure. They, they <laughs> are at the beginning of their teenage years though. So a lot can happen during the next, you know, decade or, or less, but, uh, we'll see for now it's Harry Potter. The one thing that does make me really happy, and this is quite the tangent we've gone on, but the one thing that makes me really happy is that I got to experience the infinity saga with them. Uh, and, uh, that is exciting because I know in like, I loved it so much. They enjoyed it quite a bit too. What's the Infinity Saga? The Avengers, the Infinity, oh, okay, yeah, Infinity okay. Wars or whatever. Um, we got to be there and we got to be the first, we got to see it firsthand, right? Yeah. I love Avengers Endgame and, and the one that came before it. They do too. We got to sit in the movie theater together watching that and it's not quite at the level of Harry Potter for them, but I can tell they sort of get it and and respect it a little bit so i hope in 20 or 30 years they'll be like you know we were there when the avengers defeated thanos oh yeah and you know we were there when uh when thor said i knew it and i won't (laughs) i won't expand on that but you know all of those little moments i watched the last hour of avengers endgame i've probably watched it 20 times really i haven't seen it since the theater i watched it exactly once i start at the moment when the Hulk snaps his fingers and Ant-Man's looking out the window and goes, guys, I think it worked. If you watch from that moment till the end, it is, it's a, it's about an hour. It's amazing. And I could watch it over and over again. So well, there you go. So I have that with the kids and, you know, I'm sure they'll find other things that I don't get at all over the next few years, but that's the way it goes. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking forward to Jasper finding those things. He's, you he know, will. he's getting, he, he likes a lot of the movies that he watched. A quick, another aside about how old we are and how young he is, <laughs> is that we were watching TV over the weekend and he said, I don't, uh, I don't like this. Can we watch something else? And Jenny just out of the, was like knitting and just not really paying attention. She's like, just, okay, fine. Turn the channel. And he said, what's a channel? Yeah, right. <laughs> he doesn't, we never, we don't watch live TV. Everything's on Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever. Same thing. It's, 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 uh, it's different, but it's same. the same, right? Oh yeah. It's different, but it's the same. Even my kids are like that. They, they've grown up with streaming services, everything on demand. Um, they don't even really understand the concept of an album, like a music album. To, they, to them, they say playlist. 
which I've right. always found really fascinating. Everything is a playlist, even if it's a, a CD, which we don't even really have anymore. You know, you don't put on an album, you put on a playlist. It's, right. it's the same, but different, you know? It is. It is. Yeah. But, uh, the world Although they're growing up in is going to be different than the one we grew up in. That's for sure. I, that's for sure. I was going to say, I think there's probably people out there that would uh, take me to task for saying that a playlist is the same as an album, but that's a whole different conversation that we can have another day. Well, it just happens to be a playlist that is uh, predetermined by a particular band and record company that is <laughs> specific to a band and record company. Sure. I mean, I you can so. have playlists that are all one, uh, all one album, right? It's still a playlist. I suppose it is a list of songs that play. That's for sure. Anyways. All right. Let's wrap it up here. Before we do, Jason, I want to send a thank you out to a new supporter on Patreon. That's Suzanne D, who recently became a patron of this podcast by going to patreon.com slash the talking dead. That is a platform you can visit and pledge a tiny little bit of support to us if you uh, (laughs) if you want to. And still want to after that last discussion about, uh, you know, what our kids like. Um, <laughs> but yeah, patreon.com slash the talking dead uh, to help support the show. If that's not your kind of thing, you can also just hit talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal to make a one-time contribution that also helps a great deal. We thank everyone so much for supporting the show. You can also just simply support for no cost at all by leaving us a star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or other podcasting platforms. That helps with the rankings of the show and sort of getting it out there as well too. So um, that is also very much appreciated. All right. Uh, next time on the show, we will be talking about episode seven and eight of the Twilight Zone. Episode seven is called A Human Face, and episode eight is called A Small Town. Together, they are a human face in a small town. All right, then. <laughs> that will be in a couple of weeks when we uh, return. Uh, and of course, following that, we'll do episodes nine and ten, which wraps up season two of the Twilight Zone. And then I've got a movie I want us to cover, but we'll talk about that as we um, get closer to that date. So uh, next week, it's number seven and eight, A Human Face and A Small Town. If you are watching along and have anything to say, uh, by all means, send in those thoughts or comments or questions about the episode or really anything you're thinking about that you might want to let us know. You can do that by visiting the website talkingdeadpodcast.com clicking on send voicemail at the top and recording a short message right into your computer that will get sent to us make sure you let us know you know your name and where you where you are that's always fascinating and and good information to have <laughs> i don't mean that in any sort of weird way i just like to know <laughs> <laughs> just for interest sake yeah yeah for interest sake it just came out a little funny there uh so you can do that you can also record a message you know in the voice memo app on your phone that's a great way to do it get that to us and uh, you can email us at talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com that's where you can send all your thoughts and questions via email finally you can check out our facebook page at facebook.com slash the talking dead where i sometimes post walking dead news uh, certainly the big things and every episode gets posted there as well all right thank you so much for tuning in everyone until next time my name is chris My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.